Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. talk to you uh, today about what I, we've called this series, The Good Life. I, I've been so, I was so pumped about this. You can see how I'm not anxious to get on with it, you know, because I believe today has a potential to give you an opportunity for a better life. I, I really believe that. I want to tell you, I ask you this question, would you agree with me? Would you agree with me that the cause most of the time of unhappiness in our life is strained relationships. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's amazing. You know, you can have plenty of money in the bank. Uh, you know, uh, your job can be going okay. School can be going okay. And, but but there's, when there's a strain in a relationship, you're miserable. Would you agree with me that things go better when we're united, that we are better together? Would you agree with that? And so, and so today, here's the, here's the goal. I want to talk to you today about something that I believe can help you. And I want to, we're calling this how to reduce conflict. Because what I've understood in my life, and I believe what you probably have understood, is that, you know, there's something between us right here. Like, this is our relationship. We want to be like this. We want to be close. We want to be tight. But there's something between us that's holding us, and it's called conflict. And when there's conflict, we don't feel tight at all. We feel very separated. So today, what I, what I want to do is I want to try to help you reduce that conflict, no matter who you are. If you're in middle school today, I'm talking to you. If you're 80 years old, I'm talking to you. Because this, this principle happens, and if we can remove, help remove some conflict in your life, automatically, when we reduce that, then you automatically get closer. So does that sound like something you're interested in? Okay, there's three people. All right, here you go. I screwed up. I thought I had this day. I thought I had a good one. Are you really interested in that? Okay, thank you very much. I know that was a sympathy yes, but thank you. I'll take it. I want to tell you this. So when I, what I've begun to understand in my life is that if I am going to stop something, I have to start something else. Experts will tell you that, you know. If you're going to stop something, you have to start something else. And I've talked to uh, people, like my family were uh, big smokers, and a lot of them have quit, and they would tell you that when they quit smoking, they had to start something else, and that usually was chewing gum. They stopped smoking, but they always had gum, and they chewing gum. What I've discovered, even in, uh, in weight loss, you know, and, and I know you, you, you don't think this, but I've been on a diet for the last 20 years. I'm not even kidding. Uh... What I discovered is I had to stop ice cream at night. That's so sad. It, it is. I'm just going to be honest with you. It, it, there's, it's sad. You know what I replaced ice cream with? An apple. Let me tell you how romance looks at Rhonda and I's house on every night. Used to, it used to be really sexy with ice cream. I mean, that's, baby, that's good, right? But now, at 9 o'clock, it's our time to... Uh, come, we come sit on the sofa beside each other. I mean, like, beside each other. 
And I have me an apple and a knife. I cut her a slice and me a slice. That's what it's come down to. That's, that's, that's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> to try to take care of these bodies. But, but I had to stop the ice cream. And I had to start the apple. You know what? For people's lives to get better. Some people had to stop sleeping in on Sunday morning and start showing up to SCC. Oh, I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> okay, you ready for me to move on? So, here we go. I want to talk to you about three things to stop and start that I really believe. Listen, I really believe that all things is going to help you. Already, ready? Let's go and get started. The first one is this, is stop, stop competing. Stop competing. I told you uh, a couple weeks ago when we started this series about the guy named Paul who, who, in the Bible, wrote the book of Philippians, and he's writing this. So if you missed that, you can go back to the first message, and you can catch that. I told you all his background. But I want to dive in right to what he's saying here. In Philippians uh, 2, it says this. Look what he says. He says, do nothing out of selfish what? Ambition or vain? Vain conceit. Now... Let's talk about this. Selfish ambition, what is that? Selfish ambition is saying to myself, I'm better than you. Proving I'm better than you. That's what selfish ambition is. Another word for uh, ambition is the word rivalry. And so in our homes, we learn this early in life, and that is we have sibling rivalry. Brothers and sisters, we're always competing against each other. And here's the bottom line, is that in a family, we're on the same team, but still we find ourselves competing against each other, right? Now, what happens with that? Okay, now, if you're in middle school, you need to listen to this. You're in high school, college, listen to this. What happens is, if you're not careful, you will take that competitive spirit into every other relationship that you have. For instance, I'm going to talk about me, okay? Because you don't want me to talk about you, (laughs) so I'll talk about me, all right? So... For instance, what I will tell you is like uh, with Rhonda and I, so I, in my family we were very competitive. Then Rhonda and I, you know, got married. Uh, and, and let me just say this. We all know about Rhonda that she's smarter than me. I mean, we know that. You know that. I mean, you know that. I want to tell you, she was always the one that was on honor roll. I was just glad to be enrolled. That's it. So, you know, so, so there's been this tension in her home because she's so smart and so good. But I, my friend, am not a quitter. And I'm a competitor. And so I found this, you know, of, of, my, of us sort of competing with each other and trying to get better. And so what we did, you know, we was married about 10 years and it was real rocky. I mean, I've told you all about that. It was just rocky and was like, what are we going to do? So we found that there was these videotapes. Okay, now some of you got to Google that. But there's these things that videotaped, you, uh, you know, before we had DVD players. And this, past, this guy that was some kind of great psychologist, whatever, uh, began to teach on marriage. So Rhonda and I snuck those into our home because back then, you know, whoa, you know, you get, marriage is not good, whoa. So we snuck those in our home. We started watching them. And here's what happened. This guy said, listen, if you're going to do, if you're going to be a great husband and you want your wife to be affectionate for you, you serve her. And then he gave some lists from the ladies, but all I heard was my part. If I serve her, she's going to be affectionate toward me. So I'm going to tell you, being the overachiever that I am, 
I began to, man, I mean, she didn't have to vacuum one floor. I mopped the kitchen with my t-shirt on. I did, I did all that. I did all that stuff. I mean, everything, I did it. But I did it with the wrong spirit. Here's why. Selfish ambition is this, is that I'm proving I'm better than you. Now, here's where vain conceit comes in. Vain conceit is, is the other part of this. Now, some of you ladies are sitting here thinking, right now you're thinking, oh, could you please talk to my husband? Some of you say, oh, could you talk to my dad? Oh, before you go there, let me tell you, vain conceit stepped in. And what that mean was, is that I would always say, listen, you know, I would keep score. Okay, I'm here and you're there. I'm doing better than you. You need to step up your game. And when you're constantly telling somebody they need to step up their game because they're behind you, that does not create romantic feelings. See what I'm talking about? And so I had to learn that we had to stop competing. Both of us had to learn that. And so I don't care if you're in middle school, you need to learn that. You don't, when you're on the same team with somebody, you're not competing with them. And you have to stop it. Or if you're married, it doesn't matter. If you're single, you have to stop competing with people you're on the same team with. So my question to you is this. Is who do you need to stop competing with? Who is it that you're on the same team with right now? You know, it could be in your household, could be, you know, maybe in a classroom, that you're on the same team with them. Who do you need to stop competing with? If you can answer that question today, it can change your life. <clears throat> you know, um, so if we're going to stop competing, then here's what we have to start doing. You ready? Here it is. Would you write this down? So stop competing and start completing that person that you're on the same team with. Start completing them. Now, I want to tell you what this looked like for us, okay, and most people, is that I had, to, I had to learn to quit keeping score, and I had to learn to say, okay, I'm here and you're there, and here's what I had to learn, and what Rhonda and I both had to learn. We had to learn to freely give and freely receive. In other words, what I'm doing for you is not, not keep a score and say, okay, you owe me. No, you owe me. No, no, no. What I'd be, we begin, whatever we did for each if I vacuumed the floor, it was just to vacuum the floor to say, I want to do this for you, and that's it. You don't owe me to be nice. You don't owe me anything. See what I'm talking about? Does that make sense to you? And so we, when we learned to freely give, we could freely receive. Matter of fact, Jesus picked this up, and uh, Jesus said this. In Matthew 10 and 8, he said, freely you have what? So freely. And that's what we had to learn to do. Now, I want to say this to you and be very, very honest in saying this. Today, you will never be complete as a person without Jesus Christ in your life. You'll never be. Listen, I love you. I think most of you know that. I love you. I want to tell you that's why I'm telling you about Jesus is because you will never be complete without Jesus Christ. There's a song on the radio right now. Um, I like to listen to that 93.3 uh, radio station. Uh, and I, sometimes I like to listen to country music, but sometimes I listen to Christian music. So I love this song that's out on Christian radio station. It's called The Freedom Hymn. It's by a guy by the name of Austin French, and it has a, a cool beat to it. I mean, man, it's like got me in, you know. And it says, it says this, it says, uh, I will never be free, free without you, talking about Jesus, and I'll never be me without you. So it goes like, I'll never be free without, okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, so 
I just scarred you so you would remember, right? See, see, the worship team just got scared right there. They thought I was going to take somebody's place. Danny, the guy standing in the middle, he just he had to go adjust his cool factor. <laughs> but it says, I will never be free without you, and I will never be me without you. And that is so true. You can never be who you want to be without Jesus Christ. You just cannot do it. So today, why go any longer trying to be yourself without, without Christ? And why don't you step over the line today, give your life to Jesus Christ, and find that nearness in Him? Amen. Amen. So you say, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Because I knew you was going to be here, I put a prayer right here for you. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. You read that prayer and you say, God, if this is you, if that's in your heart, you say, God, this is me. This is, this is me. If you say that and this is me, God, then you just check it, on, you check it on the back of this connection card. You say, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. And then we're going to pray for you, okay? So that's all you do is do that. Welcome to God's family. Okay. So let's go to the second thing. Remember, we talked about removing this gap, reducing stress, uh, or reducing conflict. So let's go to number two. Number two is this, is stop criticizing. Ooh, I just heard some ooze go across the room. You ain't even got to the good part yet. Stop criticizing. Look what, again, look at what Paul says here. He says, okay, ready? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in what? In humility, consider others better than yourself. And so, I would tell you that every one of us in this room have a, have a problem, and the problem is this, it's called pride. All right, so every one of us have a problem with pride. Now, if you just sit in your mind, I don't have a problem with pride, you got a problem with pride. It just showed up, okay? So every one of us struggle with this, and pride is the opposite of humility. Would you agree with that? Here's what pride wants to do. Pride wants to lift me up, and it wants to tear other people down. Did you hear that? Pride always wants, wants to lift me up, and it wants to pull other people down. Now, I thought about this this week, and I think God spoke to me in the most simplistic way to give you. Is that one of the ways that, we, would you agree with me, that one of the ways that we pull people down is with criticism. Would you agree with that? Okay, yeah. I mean, when somebody gets around, they start bragging on somebody else. What do we start? We say, well, you know, you don't know what I know. And every one of us is true. We have a problem. Don't we have a problem with criticizing people? Okay. God forgive me because I've criticized people before and I have been a sinner for that. So forgive me. Now all these angels here, God, they got it all together. You don't worry about them. You just look at me, God. Bunch of liars. We all have it, right? You're going to go out here and say, that pastor called me a liar today. That's what I got out of church. <laughs> but here's one. Watch this. Would you agree with me that when we begin to criticize someone, that we're actually pulling that person down, right? Would you agree that we're either pulling them down and they're trying to pull them down in their own eyes or in the eyes of somebody else? So in order to pull somebody down, watch this. In order to pull somebody down, would you agree with me that if I'm going to pull somebody down, I've got to be a little bit lower than them, right? In other words, if somebody's here and I'm going to pull them down, then I've got to be a little bit lower, right? You agree with that? Okay, here's what I want you to know. It takes a low-down person to criticize somebody. It takes, you, you've got to be, you remember, you, when you start criticizing, you've got to automatically say, I'm a low down person. I'm putting myself under that person. I am low down. So the next time you start to throw some shade, you think about that. Okay, if you're under 20, you'll get that. Because I just learned it about 15 minutes ago. 
I hope it's good stuff. I hope it's not bad because they told me it was all right. So, so the next time you start to criticize something, you think about that. It takes a low-down person to do that. Now, here's what I want, I want you to know. Watch this. There's a difference between giving correction and coaching and criticism. You agree with that? Okay, here it is. Listen, when, you, when you're correcting someone, you're giving coaching, you're talking to that person about their, what, what they're going through to help them get better. You're not talking to somebody else. You know, when you talk to somebody else, you say, well, I'm just saying this because I want them to get better. No, no, no. If you're not talking to them, you're criticizing. Now, here's the other thing. Criticism is this. It's when you talk to someone to make them feel bad or you talk about someone to someone else to make that other person feel bad about them. Are you tracking with me? That's called criticism. And so we shouldn't be critical. We should not be critical. And criticism has gone to a whole new level now. It's made it uh, on video games. Watch this. This week, my daughter turned 22, and so I wanted, we wanted to go have some fun with her, so we took her to this place called Dave & Buster's. If you want to know what that is, it's a grown-up, expensive video game place. Great games. Crazy. You pay a lot of money to play these games, okay? And it's for older people. So um, I went, with the, we took her, you know, we play these games, and and I come up to this game, it looks like a football game. I think you see it on the screen behind me. So I, you know, I'm like, I like sports and stuff, and my daughter's there, my wife's there. I'm like, I'm going to show them something. I swipe my card right there. I was in that thing, come on, I got in the stance right here. I, you know, thought it was Matt Ryan. So I started that thing, and he started saying, okay, when the offense is on the field, let's go. Hit the guy high. Hit the guy low. Well, I will admit to you, I wasn't, I wasn't getting the balls in that hole. Matter of fact, I got two in there, okay? And there's about 30 seconds left, and all of a sudden, you know, and I'm, getting, I'm just trying. My daughter's watching me. My wife's watching. My manhood is on the line. And, and they're watching me, and I, I'm tossing these balls, you know, and I got like two. Then all of a sudden, the, the computer comes on, and he said, all of a sudden, he said, well, I hope the defense is good. You, you got to be kidding me. I have been humiliated already. My wife and my daughter are there. They're watching it. And then that computer comes on and tells me that I stink. Criticism has went to a whole other level. I paid, I wasted $30 on that thing. I got them in there. I want you to know I finally got it through there. Touchdown. $35 later. Criticism has a twin. Its twin is called nagging. <laughs> it's called nagging. And it, you, how do you know that when you're beginning to nag? Well, nagging begins like this. It begins with some words that sound like this. You don't ever. You don't ever. Here's some other words it says. Why don't you? You don't ever do this. Why don't you ever do that? You don't ever do this. Why don't you ever do that? And those words are nagging. Another person would say those words could be called throwing hate. Why you got to be a hater? I'm just all with it today. I'm just, man, I am too cool for school. That's what I try to tell my parents, but anyways. So i got a question for you. Wait a minute now. Let's talk about this nagging thing. 
Many of you would never do that in a person, but something happens to you when you get behind a keyboard. You're this nice person in public, but all of a sudden you get on social media and you become a villain. Please. Please. Grow up. If you can't say something nice about anybody or something, don't say anything at all. Now, would you agree with me that criticizing and nagging makes our relationships weaker? Would you agree with that? Let me ask that again. Would you agree with me that criticizing and nagging makes our relationships weaker? Okay, I got one, another question for you. Ready? Will you stop it? Will you? Remember, we, we can't get better. We can't get better because of this right here, this, this conflict. We can't get better. So we got to do something. So will you stop it? Will you stop it? Here's one. Look at this. This verse again. Look, it says, in humility, consider others better than yourself. What is humility? Humility is having the power to do something for you, but choosing instead of doing something for you to do it for someone else. Like it, humility is uh, meekness and humility is like power under control. Like, you know, when you get in your car and you leave here, you start that engine up. You get all that power. It's under your control. You got the steering wheel. I mean, you can, you can drive that baby right down 155 as fast as you want to go. You know, you can take that. You can drive that car into the restaurant. You can do whatever. You got the power. It's under control. That's what humility and meekness is. It's a power under control. And so when you have the ability to do for you and you choose not to do what you desire to do and do it for someone else, that is called humility. We see this in Jesus. Look at this. Jesus had the power when he was walking, going up to that cross, and they were beating him and spitting on him and, and calling him all kinds of names with that cross. He had the power right there to stop and call 10,000 angels down and wipe everybody out. He had the power to do that. But he chose humility and meekness. And that meant this, is that he, took, he did not do what he could do for him. Instead, he did for you and I. He could have said to hell with all of them. That's what he could have said. But he endured the cross, power under control, so that you and I could be free. Okay, so what do we need to stop, start doing? So we need to stop criticizing, so here's the deal. We need to start complimenting. Start complimenting. Would you write that down? So what does that mean? That means stop nagging and start bragging. Stop nagging and start bragging. Here's what you do. You brag on, you brag on them. You brag on them in front of people, and you brag on them in front of God. You brag on people. Listen, there is nothing like when your friend... When your friend is around your friends, you know, you got a group of friends, but your, your best friend is there, and you tell everybody, this person right here, she rocks, or he rocks, and you brag them in front of everybody, man, you just, you just lifted them up. There is nothing like that, you know, guys, when you're out with your wife and, and you're around your friends, instead of criticizing, saying, well, I wish she was a little more like you. Oh, my God, that's a funeral. You're going to die. I just want you to know that. You're going to die. 
Never say that. But instead and saying, boy, I want to tell you, my wife is the best. She's the best. Or my husband's the best. He's the best. We begin to brag on them. And then not only that, but brag on them in front of God. Look, look at the next verse with me. I'll, I'll say this and I'll share that with you. Romans 5, uh, 15 and 2. Look what it says. We should, let's read what's underlined. You ready? Come on. Help others do what is right. Notice the next part. And let's read it. You ready? Come on. Build them up in the Lord. Okay. If we want to help others do right, we build them up in the Lord, right? And if you want to help them do right, you don't just build them up. You build them up in the Lord. Help others do right. Build them up in the Lord. Build them up in the Lord. You're helping others do right. How do you say, Pastor Jeff, that sounds great. How do I build them up in the Lord? Here it is. You brag on you brag on whomever in front of God. Let me tell you what that looks like. Here it is. You ready to watch this? Maybe you're going to have dinner t- today. I hope that you're going to eat a meal today. I hope that you will. And you're going to sit down, and maybe, just maybe you will say a blessing, and you will thank God for that food, right? I hope that you'll do that. I hope you'll have that habit. This is what it sounds like, is that you, you, you get around the table, and you say, okay, we're going to say a blessing, and, and say you got a family, your kids are, are there, and they bow their heads, and, and you're the dad, and you say, God, before I thank you for this food... I just want to thank you for my wife, God, because she is a rock star. She's the best, and I just love her. And God, I just want to thank you because you take care of our family. Amen. Now, when you do that, you call 911 because she just had a heart attack and fell out on the floor. Right? When you think, when you think, when you... Brag on your spouse or your children in front of God. It does something spiritually that they don't forget. They don't forget. I've told you this many times. I'll tell you again because I hope some of you will start doing it. But about five years ago, Ron and I started this, you know, having our prayer together at night. It's not, not what you think. It's not like we're down on our knees going, oh, near God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. I know some of you think of praying like that. We don't pray like that. At night, I just, last thing, I, I put my arm over and grab her hand, and, and it's my prayer for her sounds like this. Lord, God, I thank you for Rhonda. She's a, she's a good wife. She's a great mother. She's a great partner in life, and I just ask you to give her what she needs, oh God. And then I go on to pray for our children and you. I pray for you every night. I pray for you last night. I pray for you this morning. And then, you know what? She chooses to say it too. You know, she, she chooses to say a prayer for me. You know what the prayer sounds like? It really ain't a prayer. It's encouragement. It's, it's bragging on front of God. She says this, God, thank you that Jeff's a great man. He loves me. He takes care of me. He encourages me. He's a great man. Now, friend, I'm going to tell you, my pillow gets real soft after that. Let me tell you something. When temptation comes my way, I don't have time for that. You know why? Because I'm a great man. I don't need you. you don't have to tell me I'm a great man. You don't have to tell me that at all. You don't have to. You can tell me I stink and I suck, and you tell me all that you want to. It don't matter what you said, because God said I'm great, and Rhonda said I'm a great man, and that blame it, I'm a great man. Right? That goes to show you, Dad, blame it means I'm country, okay? 
But I mean, you see what I'm saying? And I say she's a great woman. And so there's nothing like walking around, strutting around. I'm a great, I am. A, and, and listen, a great man opens the door for his wife. A great man, a great man don't gripe and criticize. A great man, she reminds me I'm a great man. If I want to be, and I start to say something that's out of the way, I say, oh no, I'm a great man. Great men don't do that. Why? Because she told me that. And I told her that. So that's how you do it. Now, here at SEC, we have SEC groups, and you have the opportunity to join one that sends you out of your program. Listen to what someone said here. It says, I love my group. Angie and Jeff are the best people ever. Lisa, Mike, and Stephanie, and Brent are lifetime friends. I love them all very much. They were bragging on people in front of God. All right. The next step I want you to take is this. It says, I will do my best to start complimenting others in front of God. I don't care you. Why don't you do that? If you're single, why don't you try that? If you're married, if you're, you know, whatever. If you're in middle school, try it and watch what will happen. Okay, number three, would you write this down? Here we go. Stop fighting for your right. Stop fighting for your right. He goes on to say this. Philippians 2 and 5. You're, you're what? Let, let's try it again. You're what? Okay, that word's in the Bible. Now watch this. It doesn't stop there. Your attitude should be the kind that was shown by who? Uh-oh. So your attitude, you can't say, well, you don't act like Pastor Jeff. Because Pastor Jeff screws it up sometimes. He says, oh, no, no, no. We've got to act like Jesus. I tell my kids, all right, I ain't Jesus. I'm not God. He, he's not messed up like I am. So he goes on to say this. Who, thought, who though he was God did not demand to cling to his right as God. Look at this next verse. Instead of this, uh, instead of this, of his own free will, let's read it, you ready? Come on. He gave up all he had and took the nature of a servant. He became like a human being and appeared in human likeness. Are you ready? Here it is. You ready? Come on. Sometimes we have to give up what we feel is right in order to discover what really is right. If you're, going to, if you're going to move this conflict, if, you're going to, if we're going to reduce that conflict, then sometimes some of us are holding on. Well, I got a right. You owe me. I got a right. And as long as you're holding on to those rights, you're never, ever going to discover what really is right. As long as you keep holding on to what you feel is right. Sometimes you've got to let go of that. So how do we do this? So if we're going to stop fighting for our rights, then we have to start remembering Jesus. Remembering Jesus. We have to remember Jesus. Watch this. In order, in order for me to stop com competing and start completing, I've got to remember Jesus because it's not my nature. In order for me to stop criticizing and start complimenting, I have to remember Jesus. Listen, I would have cussed you out if I didn't remember Jesus. You see what I'm talking about? I would have, when you cut me off on the interstate, I would have spun your tail out if it wasn't for Jesus. Are, are you hearing me? I, I, would, I would have flipped you. I would have rolled down my window and flipped you off had it not been for Jesus. Remembering Jesus. 
It's remembering Jesus that makes the difference. I, I would have done it. I would have. I would. It's in me. I would have done it. I, I know you think, man, that pastor jacked up. Yes, I am. And if I don't remember Jesus, you will see all that in me. But because, because Jesus lives here, and, and I remember, I, right before I did, right before I said those words, I remembered him. Right before I, I hit your car, I remembered him. Right before I, I rolled down my window, I remembered him. And he stayed. He didn't just save my soul. He saved my life. He saved my reputation. When I remember him, when you remember him, it's all when you, when you remember, when you remember Jesus, he helps you. And he knew that we needed it. That's why we have communion. Isn't it, isn't, it isn't it amazing? The last thing that Jesus did was say, hey, I'm going to teach you something here. And he says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Just remember me. If you remember me, it'll help you. It'll, what do I do? It'll, it'll help you reduce that kind. If you just remember me. Remember me? He said, I, I want you to remember me. So I want you to pull back that little tab right there. There's this wafer. He said, listen, every time, every time you take this, I want you to remember me. Because you remember me, you'll, you'll, you'll stop competing and you'll start completing. You remember me, you'll quit criticizing and you'll start complimenting when you remember me. He said, boys, on the night before he was betrayed, listen, listen, the man who betrayed Jesus, Judas, he was telling him this, do this in remembrance of me. When Judas walked up, remember when Jesus walked up in the, and, and after this, and, and, he, and he gave Jesus a kiss on the cheek to betray him. When he walked up, Jesus said, friend. He called him a friend. Even though he was a thief and a liar and a betrayer, Jesus said, friend. He wanted to know, because I'm remembering what I come for. It's amazing how you can look those betrayers in the eye. And you look those people that's haters against you. When you remember Jesus, it's amazing how you can smile when they got deceit on their face. He said, take this bread. Remember my body that was broken for you. Would you do it right now? Jesus, we remember you. You showed us what to do with your body. You showed us how to respond, how to, how to act, and, and how to give. You showed us we remember you. Now, would you take the juice? pull back that tab he said fellas men and women when you drink this you remember it's my blood when I was on the way to the cross I could have I could have stopped right there and called 10,000 angels and let you be on your own and let you go to hell but no 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 it was my blood I chose to, to be humble and meek and hold my power in that you might receive power and here's the power you get because of my blood. You remember that you get to go before Almighty God is clean. When you start, when you start doubting, does God love me? When you start doubting, God, He said, "Remember me, remember me, remember me." When you've been bad, when you when you made sins, and you say, "I'm sorry, God," and you feel like you can't forgive you, remember me, remember my blood. God forgives you. Remember me. Today, as we take this juice, 
Let's remember the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. That we can have power in this life. And that we are forgiven by Almighty God. And that we are a great person in God's eyes. And today God says this. This is what he says. When you take this juice, I want you to, as you drink this, I want you to think that he says, I think you're great. Let's take the juice. Father, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus, I thank you that you're the savior of the world. And Lord, we can do, we can, we can do better than what we're doing. We can be better, oh God, because now we know better. We know better. We know why remember you is so important. And so today, Father, we remember you. We remember you. We rejoice on the inside because we are forgiven. We are saved. Lord, you didn't just save us for eternity, but you've saved us in this world because we remember you. You are the Savior of the world, and you've given us power, and we're your children, oh God. And you say that we are somebody great, and we're somebody wonderful, Lord. You love us. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.